Coming up on this episode of Perfect Game Retirement, we're going to talk about some small steps, some financial tweaks that you can make that could actually lead to major wins in your financial plan. We're going to talk about just this simple world, but very powerful world of financial adjustments from overlooked savings tricks to smarter insurance choices. We're going to pack these things. It might seem like they're small steps on the surface, but they can bring about big positive ripples in your financial life. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. We're glad to have you on another episode of Perfect Game Retirement, uh, final one of the year here in 2023, Ryan. And this is actually a pretty good topic because it kind of... You actually could make these resolutions if you wanted to, just some small things you can do. Or if you're just looking for new habits to create in the new year, today's episode is kind of a good place to start. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it is hard to believe this is the last uh, episode of the year. How many episodes are we at now? Do you know off the top we of your head? We are approaching uh, 100. Let's see. We are actually at 95. This is number 95. Okay. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> Didn't realize there's been that many, but, um, so yeah, it's, it, it, it these are good topics. I'm, you know, some of them are, are fairly surface level and you'll see when I get into this is, is things just reminders to, okay, make note of that, make note of that, make note of that. So we, we, we know most of these things, but keep these on a list. I'm a big list guy. So we keep them on a list and go through them and it may take, five minutes to do one of these things uh, to do, but boom, make a check mark and be done. So these are things that, yeah, can be good New Year's resolutions from a financial standpoint to have these in order and ready to go for those New Year's resolutions to start that that checklist, if you will, of, of getting these things off your, your mental checklist uh, for sure. So we'll run through this list here momentarily. We'll also open up the mailbag, get a question from a listener that we'll touch on, uh, maybe an important topic that will apply to your situation as well. Uh, Ryan, but we are, as this episode's coming out just a few days before Christmas, so any big uh, holiday plans this year? Well, we're staying home this year. Uh, Thanksgiving, we went to uh, Dollywood for a few days. It nice. was my daughter's uh, 13th birthday on oh, November awesome. wow, 22nd. Teenager so. already. Ah, no, <laughs> teenager already. Um, so, and she looks way older than... Uh, 13 yeah. years old. Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so we went there, and then we went to Asheville. So that's my wife's side of the family. Her, my sister-in-law lives up in Asheville. So we went there for a few days. So we kind of rotated a little bit, and then we'll we'll be home. I, my mother-in-law will come will come stay with us. She actually lives in uh, in Cashers. I know that was one of the mailbag questions from, from last month. Yeah. If you've never been to – or last episode, if you've never been to Cashers, beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, you should go, go visit. But it does get really cold there, so go in the <laughs> summer uh, when you go. But – uh, so yeah, we're just hanging around. I mean, there are some some things that need attending to here because uh, I, I, I give clients a heads up. Hey, we're going to be in and out of the office very sparingly. Uh, I think I just need to be like, we're not in the office <laughs> for like the last week and a half, two weeks. But there are things that come up. Life happens. That's why we're here. I, I, I get that. Um, I remember last year I had to open an account on December 30th. It was like last minute. <laughs> we got it open and thank God. Uh, so there are some things that need attending to, but um, it, it's a nice reset for, for us all. Uh, but yeah, no plans, just, just hanging around the house. That's awesome. Well, wherever you're listening to us from, we hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday season, and finish out the year on a high note. 
Today, though, we're talking about some financial tweaks that matter, some small steps that hopefully will have a big impact over time. And I think what's kind of the best way to start this, situ- this, this conversation, Ryan, is that you know we oftentimes try to do make big changes in our finances, right? We try to try to hit the home run, try to just find the thing that's going to change our life forever. But really, if you're doing the small things, not necessarily everything we talk about today, but just doing the little things day in, day out, that's going to benefit you more over the long term. Which, yeah, that was a good tee up there because I'm ironically um, listening to an audio book, which I've read the book three times, four times, but I'm listening to audio as well uh, just in my car. It's a great reminder, but uh, again, The Compound Effect uh, is a unbelievable book and it talks about these small things, just small things over time, what kind of difference they make. Again, that's not... And that's not earth-shattering information, but when you just listen to it and have that like brainwashed uh, into your head, making these small movements uh, each year, it, it does make a it does make a huge difference. And some people are like, "Oh, it's too late in the game," or "I'm getting too started too late." No, it's not. It's it's not the case at all. But the the first one is you know keeping the right amount of cash in your checking account slash emergency fund. Mm-hmm. But then, what can you do with money above and beyond that? So right now with interest rates where they're at, money, cash is actually paying a little bit and you need to know how much you are getting on that cash that's just sitting there. So checking, you're still not going to earn anything on checking. There may be a few checking accounts out there that are offering introductory type offers where you're earning a certain percentage. Okay, great. You do realize they're they're just trying to capture your assets Um, (laughs) because then they're just going to lend that money out at a higher rate. That's how institutions make money. I'm not mad at them, but that's how they make money, and that's fine. Uh, But be cognizant of what's in your checking, but also you need to have emergency fund. Keep a certain amount in there that you're comfortable with, but don't keep too much in there because even savings accounts aren't paying a whole lot right now. I get it. There's some high-yield savings accounts. If you can find those, great. But I want emergency fund money sitting there where you can click a button and it is instantly in your checking account. Uh-huh. So that usually means you're not going to earn a whole lot on it, and that is okay. But keep a certain amount, not too much, and that may be 10000 that may be 20000 but those, those types of funds can take care of a quick emergency. Another emergency that may take a couple days to get your money, that's where those money market mutual funds come in. Um, maybe even a short-term CD, a three-month CD, but money market mutual funds right now that is essentially glorified cash, but those are earning around 5% or higher uh, as the recording of this show. So that's just money, and I like to use the term lazy money. You don't want too much lazy money. You you want to earn something on that, and, and a money market mutual fund can usually do that. Now, that doesn't have FDIC insurance like your savings account, but it's a pretty safe investment to, to put money in. And now the rates change constantly. That's that's a part of it. But right now, the, the interest rates have been just kind of sitting pretty high, and they're kind of sitting flat where they're at. So that's a way to alert, at least earn a yield on something because with inflation still being relatively high, even though it has come down uh, a little bit, it's still relatively high. So you want to earn something on that money that's just sitting there. So don't keep too much in cash not earning anything. The next one right here is is old life insurance policies, right? You can maybe clean these up. People have had them 15, 20 years, but there might be a better way to to get uh, or maybe be able to get more out of those policies now, right? Yeah, and some people don't need them anymore. I, I still don't like canceling life insurance policies because 
if they're not costing you a whole lot and it's a term policy, you just never know what's going to happen. So I'm just, I'm never a proponent. I I shouldn't say never, never say never. Right. Usually I'm not a proponent of canceling life insurance policies. Now, if the premium's high and you look at it and go, okay, I don't need this thing anymore. We have no debt. We have a certain net worth. And if I were to pass, no one would have a, uh, they would miss you hopefully, but not a financial obligation or deterrent for someone. So that just depends. And usually that applies to like whole life policies. So whole life policies generally are a little bit more expensive, can accrue some cash value, but as long as you pay the premium, there's going to be a death benefit at the end of your life. And some people just like having something there. But yeah, taking inventory of these things, do you need to add more? Uh, Do you need to add like a 10-year term or something just because, hey, maybe you bought another house or something. Now you got a mortgage again. So maybe you have to... Uh, add a little bit on top of that because just stages of life constantly change. So take an inventory of those things are the things you need to clean up to get rid of, um, you know, your property and casualty stuff. We don't, we don't do that. I am certainly not an expert on that, but take an inventory of, of those things as well and, and see where you're at from a price point standpoint. Do you, are you keeping up with your uh, homeowner's insurance from a, from a value of your house if something were to happen there? So Definitely keep an inventory of those, but life insurance, again, I, I err on the side of not not canceling those if if you can. Okay. Well, when you talk about looking back through old products, what about your old 401ks? If you leave a company, you got it sitting there, and I don't think a lot of people just say, well, I can't touch it for a while. I'll just let it just continue to grow, but is there more a more effective way to use that money? Yeah. I mean, there, there's three options. Leave it where it's at, roll it to an IRA or move it to your new 401k if you have one. Those are your three options, essentially. I guess there's a fourth, cash it out. I would not uh, suggest that because depending on your age, it could be some penalties, but there's definitely going to be taxes if there's pre-tax dollars inside that account. My personal opinion, I would never leave it at the old 401k. Now, if it's a huge company and you love the 401k plan, Okay, you got an argument there, but I've just seen so many people that have left an old 401k and they changed the provider. You know, it used to be with a John Hancock and now it's with Transamerica or Principal or, you know, fill in the blank of whatever name. And it's if you don't have a login or something and notified of this, sometimes it's really hard to track down. Um, I've had clients that have found accounts that they just didn't know existed anymore because they couldn't track it down. They didn't know where it was at. So that's why I would move it to your new 401k because you have, you know where it's at, or I think the easier way now you got to go through a process and really analyze, is it beneficial to roll it to this IRA versus what I have access to? So you want to look at that. But the IRA, it's yours. Um, and, and as you change jobs and you have multiple old 401ks, roll them into one account. Again, that could be your new 401k, but it depends on your investment choices. It depends on the cost. There's a lot of variables there, but cleaning up old 401ks, consolidating, just make your life easier and it makes the, the lives of those you leave behind a whole lot easier in tracking this stuff down. All right. Very good. Again, any questions or need help with any of the things we discussed today, blackoakam.com. All right. What about those uh, maybe managed accounts that you have? Good time to maybe just reevaluate or reconsider whether or not you're getting enough out of that. You're getting the value that you want from those managed accounts. 
Yeah, I mean, that's something to look at if you are paying someone, either a person or an entity, uh, to manage these accounts. And there's really no activity. And no activity doesn't mean they're not necessarily doing anything. It depends on what the market's doing. If the market's been stagnant for a while, it may not trigger any type of rebalancing. Or if you're not actively contributing to it, there's not really a... Um, new money coming in to invest. So there's a variety of reasons. So not trading doesn't mean they're not doing the right thing, but if, if it's year over year over year and you're like, oh, okay, what, what are we doing here for this? I mean, take a look at that. And, and if it's something that you don't need, and, and there's more to financial planning than just the, the fee that your advisor, hopefully right. <laughs> that your fee is, uh, your advisor is charging you. Hopefully there's more financial planning going on. So don't just compartmentalize it and look at it as, your managed account, if that's all you're getting is managed account help and they're not doing anything, okay, you got a point. But if they're not helping with financial, if they're helping with financial planning and and helping you take this money out, tax planning, investment planning, insurance planning, then okay, there's there's more to it than that. But definitely take an inventory of, of that managed account and that's all you're getting. Yeah, I would definitely look at that. Well, if you're trying to clean up fees and maybe some expenses and costs that are out there, another thing that you might want to look into is just your mutual funds that you know many of them might have a high expense associated with them. And I guess I think a lot of times too, Ryan, people don't really realize that they have these. Yeah. I mean, there are, it's amazing. Uh, I've come across these a few times uh, getting transfers coming in, but looking at some of these high expense ratios. Now I get it. Different asset classes or different funds, depending on what you're investing in, international, small cash, some of those do have a higher expense ratio. There's just, it's hard to get around that. Uh, but you can look at different funds and just see what else is out there. Is there an ETF equivalent to a mutual fund that's more cost effective? Um, what's the turnover inside the mutual fund? Cause that's adding to the expense as well. A high turnover just means that mutual fund manager is swapping companies in, inside and out of that mutual fund, which triggers potential taxes. So you could have losses in an account, but have taxable gains depending on what that mutual fund manager did. So mutual funds in a non-qualified account or a brokerage account, you need to take a very hard look at those and see if you can change those out. Depends on what your cost basis is, what your taxable gains are, because that, I've seen that happen many, many times before where a mutual fund manager will do that. And then all of a sudden, poof, you get this capital gains tax bill or even, a, a, I guess, short-term or long-term capital gains. And you're like, I lost 10% of my account. How do I have a taxable bill? Well, it's because the mutual fund manager changed out companies and you didn't realize it. Hmm. So ETFs don't really have that. Um, so that may be something to think about. But yeah, just swapping out uh, funds because of a high expense ratio. I mean, that's, they call that fee drag. I mean, that drags down your returns because the fees are so, so potentially high and you can easily swap those out for a lower cost. I run through some financial tweaks that you can make some small steps that could have a, a large impact over time. Um, taxes is always an area that comes to mind when you think about things you can do now that might not seem like a big deal, but could add up a lot over time. So uh, with that in mind, Analyzing that the tax efficiency of the investments that you're making, that is a small step that could lead to a huge impact. Yeah. And so my last point kind of bleeds into this is is those in IRA accounts, it doesn't matter as much because it's tax sheltered anyway. So there's not really tax efficient types of investments inside of those. But 
in your non-qualified account or your brokerage accounts, depending on what your uh, what your overall income is, does it make sense to have tax-free municipal bonds? Um, because if you're in a high tax bracket, so you need to you need to figure out a tax-free yield versus a taxable yield. There's a formula you can compute that to figure out. Okay, is this corporate bond that pays a higher percentage, but I got to pay tax on it? Is it better uh, or, or pay out more than this? tax-free municipal bond, that's, you know, two percentage points less. I'm just kind of throwing a number out there. And depending on your tax bracket, it may make sense. It may not make sense. Mm -hmm. So those are the things you need to factor in. Again, going back to the whole mutual fund slash ETF discussion. So your mutual funds, your your um, other types of investments like bonds, fixed income, those need to be in your IRA accounts because those are taxed. Uh, those bond accounts are going to be taxed at ordinary income. So if you want to have lower volatility type fixed income investments, those should generally be in your IRA accounts because those are taxed at ordinary income tax anyways because they spin off interest. So you want to keep more equity-based funds inside of your non-qualified or your non-IRA accounts because those are going to be taxed more efficiently than interest. So dividend income, qualified dividends, leave those in there those are taxed more favorably. If you leave that investment in there 366 days, those are taxed more favorably at long-term rates versus short-term rates. So it's not only, it's not necessarily asset allocation, it's more asset location. Um, sure, you want to have asset allocation, which most advisors can do, but where are we locating those investments? That makes a huge impact on your tax bill. I right, got a few more steps to take care of. Um, the next one, checking your beneficiary designations. You know, there's a lot of accounts that have these on here and many go unchecked for, for years and years. Yeah. Huge. And we do this when we do meet with people just to double check them. It may take two seconds and say, Hey, is your beneficiary still so-and-so contingent still this? Yep. Okay. Move on. Hmm. Uh, because that can be a big, big, uh, <laughs> big no, no. If that has changed, if their life has changed, if people in their lives have changed, and they don't want those people being beneficiaries anymore. So I've seen it time and time again. They think a will is uh, the, oh, my will says this. It doesn't matter. What matters is what is on your beneficiary form. You got to have that filled in properly because the beneficiary form is way ahead of a will because the beneficiary form, that's who's going to get that money, not what the will says. So it passes outside of probate. So you want to make sure those beneficiary forms are filled in correctly. If you've been divorced, someone's passed away, you got to get those updated because that could be a big no-no. And as a as an advisor, as a fiduciary, you know, if those things aren't done right, then and someone else gets that money, you may get sued um, by that particular family. So we want to make sure those are done right. So it takes a quick check and move on. All right. What about this? This kind of ties into one we talked about earlier with cash, but it's worth pointing out and making it its own thing because it's important. But um, do you have the right emergency fund balance? I think a lot of people underestimate how much they need or aren't able to save as much as they need. But this is such a an important part of you know just protecting your financial future is by having this money in place. Yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 Ramsey rule is kind of three to six months of expenses uh, to to have into place. Um, you know, taking the CFP exam. I mean, they, they have the same kind of three to six month of general guidelines, but depends on if you're more toward the three month side or more toward the six month side, depends on, 
you know, income levels are, do you have two income streams? Uh, you take on a little bit more risk if you have a stay at home parent and one person's working. So you may want to be on the six month side, but if you have extra income coming in from a passive income source, whether it's a trust or passive income from real estate. So that's another source. So maybe you could be closer to the three month side and and then the, the type of job you have depends, but I wouldn't get outside of six months uh, because, again, like I mentioned before, I want emergency fund money being really boring, but being able to Mm -hmm. click a button and it be in your checking account. Anything over that six month, you could probably you you probably need to look at uh, a high yield savings CD, money market mutual funds that are paying a good bit more. All right, let's close out then with one last uh, small step, and this is. A good one and something that hopefully people are already doing, but automate your savings, right? Just kind of like you you like to do with that 401k, just make that that automated so that you don't have to think about it every month and never hit your, your bank account. You never have to feel like you're taking money out of your bank, right? It's already gone. You don't touch it. You don't see it. And it adds up over time. Yeah, most of the time you don't miss it, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I was guilty of that for a while. You know, as our, as our business grew and all that, you kind of be. It's easy for lifestyle to creep in. You just have to be intentional, especially when you do get raises. Carve off some of those raises. It's okay to live live a little bit more if you want to give a little bit more, but you want to carve off that savings to to like you said that you don't even miss it. You don't even see it and. I encourage people who do have 401k plans to to set the, and most of them have this setting where it increases by 1% each year on that anniversary that you set it at. So if you're at five next year, it'll bump to six and you don't even, you do not feel it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time you get a cost of living raise, not always, but there's usually people's incomes do generate, generally gravitate up. And if you increase that by 1%, you don't even feel it. You, you you probably still get a pay raise, to be honest, if you only increase it by 1%. So yeah, automate it, set it, forget it, and uh, be intentional to look at it each year to see if you can go up uh, more to where you're maxing these accounts out. All right, very good. So some small steps. Hopefully, there's one or two maybe that you can add. If you can add more than that, great. But just doing these things uh, in the new year and just making it a part of your life, right, as part of what you do financially will help you get ahead and stay ahead. And I think, Ryan, too, you know, that's, this is what you do and your team at Black Oak Asset Management do, right? You you help people through these things throughout the year. It's not just a, hey, knock it out one time and be done with it. You consistently stay on top of these items. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a, a, comprehensive, a comprehensive financial planner. That's what they should do. Um, and if you just have a money manager, that's all they're going to do. Uh, they're not going to look at these other things. Uh, so, yeah, it's... When you look at finances, everything's intertwined when it comes to these things. So you got to you got to pay attention. You got to look at it. And yeah, we definitely help with that. All right, very good. If you have questions for Ryan, BlackOakAM.com. Start there. A lot of tools, resources, and all of our podcasts there as well. Plus, you can give them a call if it's easier at 470-508-0508. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. Got a question from James, who is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, he says, I retired last month and started. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to add that, but I think we both would agree with that. Maybe he's, maybe he's, a, maybe he's a fan of Georgia and just relocated. <laughs> Who knows? But doubtful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> his question, though, I retired last month and started my state pension and Social Security. I like to do some part-time work just to keep myself occupied, but I've heard that this can mess up my Social Security. Should I avoid just getting a job altogether? 
That's a really good question, James. Um, and yeah, sorry, I, I had to throw the boo in there. But um, <laughs> again, as of the recording of this show, we play, uh, I say we, like I'm on the team. Right. Uh, Georgia plays Tennessee this weekend. So that should be, uh, and it's in Knoxville. Tough place to play, James. So I'm sure you're a Vol fan. Uh, but so I've come into this quite a bit. Um, I, we work with a lot of uh, pension employees who are claiming Social Security. And, and there's a rabbit hole of numbers here, but I'm going to talk very general because uh, this could be an entire episode right here. Um, so if you are at your full retirement age, James, and I don't know what year you were born, if you're 1960 or after, your full retirement age is 67. And every year before that, it starts to tear down by two months. So if you're born in 1959, then it's 66 and 10 months, so on and so forth. Uh, so depending on how old you are, and the point of that is, if you're at full retirement age or beyond, you, your Social Security is not reduced. You, you keep the amount that you get, and then you just have extra supplemental income. If you are before full retirement age, um, let's say you're 62, well, yeah, it can, if you have part-time income, it can almost eliminate your Social Security benefit. Not forever, not forever. But while you're working that part-time job, again, I, I, I probably should do a YouTube video on this very question mm -hmm. to go through the specific numbers on this. So, but yes, it could. If you're at full retirement age, though, Steve, uh, excuse me, James, then you're good. If you're below full retirement age, there it depends on what year you are. Um, if you're within the year of your full retirement age, there is a, a, a less of a reduction. But again, it just depends on your age, uh, James. So look more into that. Again, full retirement age, you're good. Anything below that, it could affect it. And maybe maybe if you're a couple years away from your full retirement age, hey, maybe you hold off for a couple years because it could eat into your Social Security. So then it's like, okay, why am I even working part-time yeah. if my Social Security vanishes? Uh, so you may want to be just be aware of that. Uh, James, if you want to call our office and we talk more in detail of this, be, be happy to do that. But uh, it, it just depends. And, and the Social Security world, it's, it's navigating that Social Security world can be difficult sometimes. Yeah, good question. I'm sure you try to go through these things and, and kind of get a plan in place before someone claims Social Security. But I'm sure it happens uh, pretty commonly where someone you know thinks I'm done working but says, uh, actually, I do want to go back just to stay busy. And you have to kind of talk through the scenario, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's a difficult world to uh, to navigate, but yeah, no doubt. All right, well, appreciate your question, James. If you have something on your mind that you'd like to run by Ryan, you can always get in touch blackoakam.com or just give him a call at four seven zero five zero eight zero five zero eight. All right, Ryan, as we close out our final episode of twenty twenty three, hard to believe. Why not use a quote from Ben Franklin to? to put a bow on what's been a good year. But I think it's a great one for not only what you do, what this podcast is all about, but just we're talking about small steps to improve yourself. This quote's perfect. An investment in knowledge pays the best dividends. Yeah, I love that quote. i um, seen it several, many times. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. This this podcast and, and just people who listen to this, just getting a education on maybe some of this stuff is just very foreign to them. And it's just not a, a language, if you will, that they speak or want to speak, but it's your money. You need to be aware of these things. And as, as laws change, as rules change, 
you need to be aware that obviously that's that's our job for those of those clients that work with us is to stay on top of these things and to be aware of these things but listening to podcasts reading listen to audiobooks um again we talked about this on the last show, me taking uh, my CFP exam continually to educate and improve myself. I tell my kids, you're always going to be in school. Like you're never out of school. And of course that like just crushes their soul for a second until I tell them like, okay, it's not, you're not going to a school. Um, you know, I'm sitting here reading these books and they're asking me, what grade am I? What grade are you in dad? I'm like, uh, no, not in grade anymore. But you continually have to improve yourself because if not, then you're going to get passed by. So, and yeah, the investment in knowledge is, is, is great. Obviously you need to apply that knowledge. <laughs> That's the whole next step. Uh, cause knowledge is great, but if you don't do anything with it, then what's the point? But this is kind of a first step is to gain that knowledge. And then the implementation of that knowledge is the next step. Yeah. Well, very good, Ryan. It's been a pleasure this year. Enjoyed uh, the podcast and look forward to turning the pace to 2024 and all that lies ahead. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.